Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Um, I'm not recording yet. Now I am. Okay. So remember again, next, not this coming Thursday, next Thursday, October 9th, I will be in Toronto at the Council of Ontario University, representing our fine universities among all the other universities. So no class, because I can't be in two places at once. I have many skills. That's not one of them. Okay. So. You there? Okay. A little bit of cell anatomy and physiology. Uh, axons and dendrites increase the surface area greater than we talked about. Right? Dendrites are even bigger due to the dendritic spines. There's one axon. Now you can have one axon with many what are called teleodendria. Um, and that starts with the axon hillock. So a lot of these axons, as I called it, as I mentioned, are called the teleodendria, which sounds good. Also sounds like it could be some sort of sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> uh, they call this look all now, or they've changed the name of those again. That's the eyes. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's the eye stand for? Oh, because. What is disease pejorative? We don't want to make gonorrhea feel bad? I guess. Um, anyway. Infections are treatable, diseases are permanent. Ah, that's the notion, is it? I'm like. No, no, that's, that, that sounds sensible. I like it. I like it. So AIDS would be an STD, chlamydia would be an STI. Okay. See, I've learned now. You know, today I've learned as much from you as you've learned from me. That's about to change. Um, so. I hate when instructors say that. I learn as much from them as they learn from me. Then you're not really doing your job, are you? <laughs> you know, really seriously. Okay. At the end of the... Uh, uh, at the end of the axon is called a terminal button. Okay? This connects with the, the next dendrite. There is a gap between axon and dendrite. Oh, sometimes there isn't. Exceedingly rarely, there is actually a direct connection. Or there can be an exceedingly, now, not that these things are big, uh, the gap between an axon and a dendrite is about 40, well, between 20 and 40 nanometers. That's pretty small. Okay, that's pretty small. So let's go with 30, because that's between the two. About 30 nanometers. Sometimes there's a gap of only 3 or 4 nanometers. But that's an entirely different kind of synapse. But the kind of synapse we're used to, which we'll call chemical synapses, there's that big gap by being around 30 nanometers. For a small synapse, they're usually called, or even directly touching sometimes, those are electrical synapses. We won't talk a lot about those. They're cool. I'll mention them. We talk about synapses. But they're not a huge deal. And they're really easy to understand, too. Not that chemical synapses are too hard, but electrical synapses are easy. It's almost just like a direct connection between two wires. Yeah, please. Once there's a, a chemical exchange through the synapse, yep. does that chemical, that neurotransmitter, revert back to an electrical charge? No. Um, what happens is it, the neurotransmitter gets taken up into the next neuron is, and, and is inactivated. Um, and then you get change from, so that's, that's chemical there, and then you get uh, changes along the cell membrane that are, they're electrical. Uh, we'll get way more into that. I'd have to t 
teach that whole section to completely answer that, that, that. But yeah, so what's happening is you're going completely chemical between the two, and then you're sort of going electrochemical within the synapse. Without, sorry, within the, within the neuron. Good question. Good question. We start there yet. We'll get there, I promise. The reason why I ask is uh, if that is the case where it's reverted back to an electrical charge, then why not just hardwire the whole brain? Uh, you'll see. There's actually a great reason for this. Uh, and it's, it's basically so you can, at the synaptic level, make decisions. I don't mean you meaning your consciousness. I mean so decisions can be made. And votes basically can be taken. It, it, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. It's a good question you're asking. In fact, it, it's a very intuitively pleasing question because I would think you'd want to have all electrical synapses. You want to just have connection, connection, connection. And in fact, it makes modifying signals hard, but you actually want to modify signals. Right? You want to have a case where, for example, are, do we want this neuron to fire or not? Well, there's going to be there might be 10,000 neurons synapsing onto one other neuron. There are, there are and you'll, you'll see some today, there are, this chair's got to move. It's totally in my way. One time, I threw it in the hall. I threw it. I just hate things in the way. Because, you know, I'm blind, so that's an excuse for me to wreck stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you might, you'll see synapses, we'll talk about some today, where literally there can be 10,000 connections to one neuron. We're never going to rewire these things on our own. Uh, one by one. Well, we may find chemical waste. Um, so information basically travels down the dendrite, through the axon, to the next dendrite, and so on, and so on. Okay. Okay. So we've got different types of neurons. Yeah, it's kind of hard to see them here, not that. Okay. Here we have a bipolar neuron. Um, and this, these kind of bipolar cells, you'll see this in your, in your retina, as it says here, a retinal bipolar cell. How many of you have taken perception or sensation? Yeah, a couple of you. Okay. And all of you have taken, or most of you have taken intro psych. So you remember bipolar cells in your retina. They're short. We got a short dendrite. You notice it's like one dendrite, very little uh, branching, and there's very few teleodendria at this axon. Because remember, you either got one bipolar cell to uh, three cones, sorry, three rods, or one bipolar cell to one cone. It's, there, it's either three to one or one to one, those connections, in your, in your retina. Okay? Whereas the other hand, we've got a somatic sensory neuron here. This is going to be, now this cheers about it. And what are these doing? Oh, God, I'm sorry. I, just, I, I didn't scrub your nose with you. Oh, okay. She just said yes, because I wouldn't give you enough buck. I'll carry cash. Take your Um. <laughs> so, kids come to the door. They sound like girl guy cookies. They feel horrible. Or voice kids with their apples. It's like, it's I'll buy an apple. It's like, oh, nice kids. He's going to sell They're good apples. They don't sell shitty apples, right? But it's like, dude, I don't have any cash. You take Square, PayPal, or I don't know, can I transfer money directly to your account? I don't have cash. 
It's the worst thing. My son brings home permission notes. You know, it's like, well, he's going to go. He's got a trip, a school trip to do whatever. It's like, I got to I scrounge. Looking between cushions and digging through other stuff. Hey, I found a quarter. You don't want to spend the quarters. Those are like gold. Put those over here. We're looking for nickels and pennies. Um, so that a sensor you're on. Uh, this is one of those for touch. This for touch. Now, the dendrites here, a bit of more branching. Everybody's that just made my eyes for For everybody? Okay, good, because I thought I was having a seizure. Um, so, you might get, so on the muscle below your skin, you're going to have dendrites actually on the muscle. Okay? And they're going to detect when there's pressure. Pretty straightforward. And they have a certain, what's called a receptive field, dendrite where synapses onto a muscle in that uh, has a receptive field. Okay? Now, that receptive field, and when I do this, it, it, it's about that big. What? Really? In fact, on your back, you have so few sensors, some amount of sensory neurons on your back that you can't tell the difference between one stimulus and two stimuli that are maybe 10 centimeters apart. Whereas on your tip of your finger, we measure that in tenths of a millimeter. There's way more somatic sensory neurons on your tips of your finger, your lips, and the fun part of your body. Naughty bits. You know. All kinds of sensory neurons there. But your back, now think about it, it makes a lot of sense. We're tool makers, humans. We, you, know what, you know what separates us from the animals other than the ability to have sex over the internet? Nothing, nobody? Uh, is, is this. Independently moving our digits. No other animal can do that. That's awesome. We also can speak and have a civilization. There's other stuff we do that's pretty cool. Um, we, we make tools. That's, you know, other animals do make tools, there's no doubt. But not, you know, not that. <laughs> your lips, this makes sense. You put things in your mouth that aren't things are supposed to go in your mouth, you could die. And your genitals makes a lot of sense. First of all, it's a pretty sensitive part of your body. As far as, I mean, even, that's a tautology, idiot. Um, an important part of your body, if it gets messed up, you don't pass on your genes. That's the first thing. Secondly, if you think sex feels good, uh, you probably are going to have sex, which is good because then you want to pass on your genes. What's the function of sex? It's not fun. function is to make more copies of you. Whereas we don't, our back, why do we, why do we need any on our back? How often do you, on the savannas of Africa, 200,000 years ago, how many guys were hunting like this? <laughs> wasn't happening, right? So we have very few on our back. So they do with that most. Oh, All right. So they're both sensory though, right? One is for vision, one's for touch. Okay, interneurons, that's what these are. Most of the neurons we have are interneurons. This is an association cell, also called the stellate cell. It's called the stellate cell because it looks like a star, and stella, stella is Latin for star. Stella! <laughs> I'm glad you got that. That's good. That's, or you're laughing at me, not with me. But... Um, you get a streetcar named Desire reference. That's good. 
this in the thalamus. Um, thalamus is the, the sensory router. Okay, so it's sending it all, all, all sensory information except for smell goes to the thalamus. Okay, we know that. Uh, a lot of connections. Here's a Purkinje cell. This is in your cortex. That's called also, uh, so no, it's a pyramidal cell. That's a Purkinje. Pyramidal cell, why is it called that? It's got sort of roughly a triangular shape. This is putting stuff together. This is, what we, this is in the cortex. This is in your lobes, the frontal, parietal, temporal, and occipital lobes. This is where complex cognition is happening. Everything from the ability to see objects in motion to your personality. And it actually looks probably more like you a met whale. This guy probably looks more like a, uh, I don't know what we call it, prototypical neuron. This guy does a lot too. Okay, a lot of connections here. Maybe as many as 10,000 connections in a, in a cortical neuron. Wow. Check out the, the, the Purkinje cell on the right. It's got kind of an afro of dendrites. That's amazing. That's in your cerebellum. Cerebellum important to remember things like learning and memory. See, that's some very basic parts of learning and memory. A lot of time-related things and uh, smooth movement. A lot of connections. A lot of connections. Now the motor neuron, this synapse is onto a muscle. Okay, so you can see this guy here. A lot of dendrites, one axon going onto a muscle. And the way this works is you've got that axon's going to release neurotransmitter onto the muscle and the muscle contracts. Acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter, gets released onto your muscle and that's what makes your muscle contract. Then the acetylcholine gets broken down because if it builds up, uh, well, you die. So your muscles go rigid and um, your heart would stop eventually because it would contract. So you have to break down the acetylcholine, it's another matter. Break down acetylcholine with an enzyme called acetylcholine esterase. And most of venom, like most, most uh, snake venom, is an acetylcholine esterase antagonist. So is uh, sarin gas. Herb gas. Kill you dead really quickly. So quite a few dendrites. Axon doesn't have a whole lot of spines. Or teledendrites. Okay. These are your basic types. I think they should have named the pyramidal cell the Christmas tree cell, because to me, it's a Christmas tree. Um, synapses are a pretty recent discovery. I mean, in the history of biology. Late 1800s, Sherrington um, figured it out. Now, we, we didn't know, we knew they were there by Sherrington's experiment. 
actually seeing them, we had to get electron microscopy. We, you can't see them with a regular microscope, a light microscope. Hmm. How did Sherrington figure this out? Well, he knew the speed of dermis transmission within a neuron. Okay? Which is about 10 meters, a, sorry, 100 meters a second. It's way slower than you thought it was, isn't it? Pretty slow. He knew that because of Hodgkin and Hart's Oxley's work with giant squid axons. They're this big. I mean, it's, they're big axons. Big. You can hold them. So we had these dogs. They were spinal dogs. What's a spinal dog? You take a dog and you break its neck. We don't break its neck. You just sever its spinal cord. It's for science. Calm down. So you do that, and then you can go into the spinal column. You know how long the connection is, because that's just distance. How long is it from spinal column to leg? And you zap it, a little bit of electricity. How long does it take for the leg to lift? Distance equals speed times time, right? That should be easy. And he does the experiment, and it takes way longer for the leg to lift than it should. It takes about 10 times longer. It's like if it's moving at 10 meters per second, not 100. Wow. He said, well, you know what it probably is. It's probably just gaps between the nerves, as he called them, the neuron. Wow. That's just smart, right? That's probably a chemical thing. It's electrical there, sort of electrochemical. I bet it's just chemicals being, being, being uh, released across these gaps. And there you are. So Sherrington was smart. Physiology claims them, psychology claims them. Let's all just be friends. So these chemicals that are released across these chemical synapses are called neurotransmitters. Usually. Yeah, let's just say they are called that. <coughs> there can be there's feedback, by the way, from one neuron to the other. I've got, you know, I've got the neurotransmitter now. That kind of thing happens. And it's especially true when there are these electrical synapses. So chemical synapses go from one neuron, then axon, to dendrite, and so on. Electrical synapses can go both ways. Okay? So they can directly feed back to each other. Okay, this is cool. So you got many calculations, I'm sorry, many connections. Let's say as many as 10,000. Perhaps as many as 10,000 synapses for one neuron. <clears throat> Holy crap, that's a lot. This is now going to answer your question a little bit. But yeah, that. Are there more chemical than electrical? Oh yeah, way more. Way, way, way more. And for a really good reason, by the way. Like I know it sounds like the electrical will be better, and it's faster, by the way. Way faster. Like I said, it's 10 times faster. Electrical synapses are usually used in um, systems for avoiding prey. Things where you have to make really super quick decisions and move super quickly. So, this many connections, it's rel you make relatively complex calculations. What do I mean by that? Well, 
marker. Can anybody see this up here? Is it okay? I know it's kind of stuff in the way. I guess I could. Maybe maybe, maybe we should have put one of the screens up and do it there. It'd be better. Sure. Okay, good. Some thank you for saying something. <laughs> no, I think we'll all just sit here quietly. Um, okay, let's raise this one up. When this room first opened up, and also the whatever these motor things have been put in, it's always the case that some faculty member decides that that's not how they work, and they just pull on them and break the motors. It happened. Let's kill this for a second. It happened a few times in one room, and we actually got eventually got a memo saying if this happens again, it's coming into your paycheck. So it doesn't happen anymore. Anyway, what we're going to think about here is a neuron, and we're going to think about. Dendrites, so this is way zoomed in. And we're also going to remember that I can't draw. <laughs> so we have here, there's one dendritic spine, there's another one, there's another one. Okay. Looks like Lisa Simpson's hair here. <laughs> Did you see that Simpson's uh, Family Guy crossover? Yeah, yeah. It's not just a joke, it's a joke that made many bloggers angry. <laughs> I've got a whole subreddit full of superhero thumb shots. My favorite line is from the I'm gonna find a way in my life to use that. I don't know how. Okay. There we go. Okay. Now, usually a neuron has one, mostly one kind of uh, neurotransmitter that, 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 that connects to it, okay, that, that, that synapse. So let's pretend this is mostly a dopamine system. Okay? Okay. At the same time, so to make this whole, yeah, remember, this is go down here, and I won't get draw on the wall, but down here is the axon, or sorry, the uh, cell body of the axon, I guess is going to stick out there. This will be the next nerve. So, It takes more than one <coughs> connection from, and just imagine if there's other, because uh, I'm going to draw, I'm not going to draw the other axons connecting. Imagine there's axons connecting all these, okay? It takes more than just one set of dopamine molecules. And when I do one, I mean about 120 molecules, okay? That's just how it works. We'll talk about how this all works at the chemical level later. I just want to get this conception right now. So let's say dopamine goes in. There and there. Okay. That may not be enough. Those two molecules, again, it's actually 240 or so. Those two dopamine signals may not be enough to cause the neuron next that neuron to fire. Okay? Now, it may be the case, however, that three in this area cause a signal to start to be sent down this dendrite. Are you with me so far? So let's pretend three signals is enough. And again, remember, one of those DA thing means about 120 molecules. But it's not important right now. We're doing this conception. So you know it's not three molecules. Three molecules would do nothing. Okay. So it might be the case that 
those three arriving in that same area, it's a spatial window. It's the same space. <coughs> okay, does that make sense? There's also going to be a temporal window because if three, these three arrive here, but they don't arrive at, at a close enough period in time, the, the cell, by the way, is always trying to not fire. It's always trying to not fire. It's always trying to stay at what's called a resting state, and it's not really resting. Because if it's always fighting against firing, that's not really relaxing. It's metabolically exceedingly expensive, <laughs> actually. It's why neurons, this is why they die when you're, young, when you're young, because you don't need them all and they're expensive to maintain. Remember I talked about how much of your glucose and how much of your uh, oxygen they use? These are exceedingly expensive items. Okay. So that's spatially, we're talking about a spatial window, that is also temporally. So it might be that then another dopamine arrives here, and one arrives here. One, two, and we'll put, I don't know, let's say, let's say one more here. Those are all spatially distributed, aren't they? <coughs> but temporally, they're all happening at the same time. Ideally, to get firing, you want it temporally and spatially to happen. <coughs> now, the thing is, this is made a little, these are all, let's consider these all yes votes. Okay, so what these are doing is they're exciting. Like I said here, did I say exc excitation and inhibition? Yeah, good, good. These are all, we're going to put a plus on these. That's not talking about an a, a, a char electric charge or anything. We're not there yet. What this is, is saying, yes, fire. They're, we're going to call them, I'm just going to call them yes votes. The problem is, The other possibility here, these could be GABA synapses here. Now GABA is a neurotransmitter that is inhibitory. It helps the cell to maintain rest, the rest of the cell. <coughs> GABA stands, we'll talk about it later, but if somebody's going to ask, GABA stands for gamma aminobutyric acid. To help anybody? So it's not only the case that we have to worry about does this thing fire? Are there enough votes at the same place and roughly the same time? But also, do the no's cancel out a lot of those yeses? So now you can see how, for example, Maybe this is a cell that responds to, I don't know. That could be the red triangle cell we talked about that last time, right? Okay, could be that. So it might be the case that we're getting, and that's a, maybe this is like a, a line going that way, and this is a line going that way. Uh, this is red. This is the inside, the, you know, the, uh, the background. This is the foreground. <coughs> but the angles aren't there. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. I make up most of this stuff. I don't really know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm kidding with that one. Some of these are jokes. You look very concerned with you think it's probably true, don't you? You worry here. No, no, you, 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 you're sure I saw that book. I don't see that well, so it might be that I'm missing. Maybe you don't even there. <laughs> so I really can't see anything, so don't worry. Please don't take that personally. I saw you. Okay? <laughs> 
do horrible things we say. Everything was okay at university. My professor said I wasn't even there. It damaged me for the rest of my life. See, now I still think I'm making fun of you. I feel so bad. I'm not. I'm really not making fun of you. I should stop paying attention to you like that, though, shouldn't I? Now that's getting uncomfortable. I'm going to go back over here. Okay. Questions about this. Does this make sense? Somebody say no? No. Good. Okay. What don't you, what don't, don't you understand? Okay, so... Well, first I don't understand this brain. What is that? No, go ahead. It wants to stay uh, in... It, it at rest. It wants to stay at rest. Yes. Um, there are some... Um, I'm trying to get all the ling uh, lingo right. Don't worry about that. Dopamine wants to excite it. Yes. But if anything is an inhibitor, like the GABA, yeah. it's going to cancel out the dopamine. Yeah, let's think of it that way for now, and that's the way I presented it. Yes. Okay. Oh, good. So you do understand it. Other questions? So the, remember spatial, the spatial window is they arrive at the same place. The temporal window is at the same time. Ideally, you want to get both. Ideally, you want to get both. Just take a picture of that, put that on the blog. about this process, but I thought it important to bring it up now. Well, let's hope putting the screen back on doesn't screw up everything. I've got a bad feeling about this. Okay. <laughs> Magic. Okay. Okay, so that's a little bit about, about neurons. Let's talk a little bit about wait a second. About glial cells. Hmm. Let's see it's gonna come back. Whoa, look at that. Yeah. All the way to the floor. Let's bring that up. That's an impeccable piece of design, by the way, isn't it? Drop it right to the floor. Okay. We have different kinds of glial cells. Glial cells do support functions in your brain, nervous system. Uh, being nervous systems. <coughs> Epidermal cells make CSF. They make cerebral spinal fluid. That's all they do. That's their job. Astrocyte, why are they called that? Again, astro. It's like they're star-shaped, okay? Uh, they do uh, nutritive functions, support functions. They're, 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 they're bringing nutrients to the, the neuron. <coughs> the neurons are busy trying not to fire. Microglial cells, um, they do defense. Microglia does defense. Infections, it attacks, that kind of thing. Okay? Uh, dead, dead brain cells, dead, dead neurons, it eats them. It basically just clears the path. All right. Oligon, which I always have trouble saying, cells, 
Um, they formed the myelin around axons uh, in, in the uh, central nervous system. And Schwann cells, which is much easier to say, more fun to say. Makes you think of bicycles. That would be a Schwinn cell. But Schwann cells, they make uh, myelin around peripheral nervous system cells. They, same function, CNS, PNS. So see, you see what's like your, this is an axon, this is an axon, that's an axon. We have one cell that's making these myelin sheets around these axons. Could you repeat that? Yeah. So in the central nervous system, what these cells do is they're creating the, the myelin sheath around, in this case, three different axons. Okay? So that could be around three different neurons. Okay? These ones are, but this is in the central nervous system. So brain, peripheral nervous system, sorry, brain, uh, spinal column, and cerebellum. This one here, the Schwann cell, does exactly the same thing, except it's doing it in the peripheral nervous system. So in your, in your arm, in your leg. Yeah, please, sorry. Uh, Blood-brain barrier, mm -hmm. is that formed by the astrocytes? Or... You know, I don't know the answer to that question. I know it's glial cells, and it probably is, but I actually don't know the answer to that question. That's a good question. I guess we could look that up, but I don't know. Other questions? Anybody want to like an answer? <laughs> uh, <so first laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, uh, this guy here. Yeah. Did you say that it try, it's trying not to fire too? No, 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 no. I, what I'm saying is that this guy's making CSF. These don't fire at all. These are a lot more like your standard cells in other parts of your body. This guy's making CSF. This guy's doing nutrition and support function, basically. So he's bringing in... Glucose molecules, things like that. So they're doing, they do serve repair functions. It's one of the major things these guys do. Yeah, please, sorry. Um, well, I just searched the oh, blood brain barrier. Yay! It says the barrier is formed by capillary endothelial cells surrounded by basal lamina and astrocytic perivascular endothelium. There you go. There you go. So astrocytes are involved. Thank you. That made sense, but I didn't, never looked it up. See? Internet. What could use some like, really? Basically, entertainment value. This is the only reason I'm here. This is, the, this is why I make the jokes. Because I realize this stuff, you know. Start taking my learning class. I nod off during that. Okay, let's say you get a deep cut on your hand or something. Okay, or your arm. You actually will get paralysis because the nerves, the neurons have all been cut. Eh? So you won't be able to move part of your... Now that's a pretty bad cut. You always get this to a point, but usually you don't feel that... You're numb or you're paralyzed because they're just like little skin your knees, a kid, or where I sliced part of my thumb off making spaghetti sauce when I was a graduate student. 
which I, like I told you guys, I can still kind of feel that it's, it's a little bit numb. And if you, it's hard to see, but my, my thumb's got a flat edge to it. I'm now a master criminal. I have no <coughs> thumbprints. I don't know what that was about. Um, okay, listen. This was a bad cut. Okay? But you've got to regrow that stuff so you can move. So the old axons died. That's not right. I've almost got everything in my way. Microglia and Schwann cells go into the pathway and they basically clear out a space for the new axon. They, in essence, um, the microglia actually, in essence, eat the old cell. Phagocytosis, you know, they, they engulf it and basically digest isn't quite the right word, but you know what I mean. Right? They clean this out, and because the beautiful thing is, because it might be the case that the original neuron isn't dead. It might be. It just sprouts a new axon that goes right down where it was before, because they've cleared out the area. It's like they've tunneled. Or if the whole neuron's dead, a new one grows and replaces it and takes up the space where it was. Right? More commonly, the neuron itself just sprouts a new axon and it grows. And the only place it can go is where there's space for it. Okay? So that's just an example of the kind of things that we do. Alright. Please. So how does a new uh, neuron come into being? Is it just a uh... Like, how does a new skin cell come into being? Same sort of thing. Starts with a stem cell, uh, which, and then you end up with uh, a neuroblast, which is an undifferent. Okay, yeah, we go with neurons. So a neuroblast, which is an undifferentiated neuron, uh, neuron, and then eventually you end up with, then because of the chemical environment in that area of wherever the thing's created, it migrates to that area, it then turns into a different, one of the different kinds of neurons. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We talk about neural development. <clears throat> Jeez. All right. Good question. You're asking a really good question. And I keep answering with, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so it's really a shame this doesn't happen in the CNS. Because if you, like you have a stroke, you end up basically with a hole in your brain, as far as the neurons go. Glial cells take up the space, perhaps depending on how big the, the, the injury is. The glial cells actually kind of seal off any injury. And they secrete a chemical called no-go, clever, right? That actually stops the growth, stops the neuron from sprouting. Wow, that seems mean. Well, there should be an easy way to fix this. Why don't we block no-go? There's been some success for that. Now, nobody's talking yet about regrowing CNS neurons in your brain to fix damage. Because if it's got all the things you've ever remembered and learned coded in there, you would never know where to hook them up. Right? However, what about your, your, your uh, spinal column? Get a break in your spinal column, broken back. Well, like, and especially if it's a, if a pretty smooth break, you should be able to just connect up, up here to down here. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then you can walk again. Wow. Um, there has been some success with rats doing this with carbon nanotubes. <coughs> so what you do is the neuron sprouts and you put, <laughs> the problem is you need a lot of carbon nanotubes. Okay, you'd need thousands of them. You can't just put in, you can't, you, these aren't things you can hold, by the way. These are, what you're gonna need to do is you're gonna need really small machines to do this. This is, this will come, this, this, this is gonna happen in our lifetime. But right now, manipulating thousands of carbon nanotubes is not something, these are things that, these are tubes that are one atom of carbon around. It's not an easy thing to like manipulate, right? But eventually what's gonna happen is with some nanotechnology, you'll be able to just uh, have these nanobots will go in and literally put these tubes in where they have to go and then the neurons will grow. I think that's the most likely uh, solution to things like spinal injuries, yep. So can we grow new neurons in CNS? You can, they just, they, they're, the process is shut down. Okay. And we do grow some. Uh, we grow some in dentate gyrus through the campus. That area? Yeah. There is some new growth. It, we used to think there was none. There is some. It makes some sense because it, we, we know it happens in species, let's say that. So why wouldn't it happen to us? The thing is, it doesn't happen in the spinal column, it doesn't happen in the brain, most of the brain. It doesn't happen in the cerebellum. It's shut down. Evolutionarily, I don't really know why. I, I, I'd love to figure out a good functional reason as to why that would happen, why not happen at CNS, and I can't really come up with one. Except the idea of isolating it sort of and sealing it off makes some sense if it is really a bad injury. outside a classroom where they're having a class and speak as loud as possible? Sure, sounds fun. Let's go. Um, please, talk. So the areas that of your brain that do regrow is it just because they don't have any no-go? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe that's true. Almost certain that's true, yes. And it's not just... No-go is one of the big things that's stopping this from happening. Because if this was the case, we'd just give you, you know, no-go antagonists everywhere. There has, there's been some success with that. I imagine carbon nanotubes are going to be the way it's going to go, though. See, because once, and then who cares if you have the tubes or not, now that the neurons have regrown, who gives a shit, right? Like, they're back, and you're, you're up dancing again. Perhaps not dancing. It's probably after a car accident of some sort, you probably have to rehabilitate a bit, but at least you can walk again. Okay. Now, there are certain elements, not haunted elements. <laughs> um, that's an old picture of us. Some of you may know my daughter, who's in fourth year now. There's John, who's about 35 feet tall now. But, no, there are different elements that are here. Why did I put it here? What puts it in this part? And I've got to put it somewhere. So, there's high, we'll talk more or less about some of these things. There's hydrogen, of course. There's carbon, of course. What with, you know, being organic and all. Um, oxygen. Gee, I wonder why. Okay, these guys are starting to piss me off. 
Do I tell them to shut up? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, you want to tone it down? I'm trying to actually teach people things. Thanks. Um, <laughs> don't try to be funny. I was serious. I'm trying to teach people things. So nitrogen. Now, nitric oxide actually acts as a neurotransmitter. It's a very simple molecule, but it can act as a neurotransmitter. <laughs> no, but I don't want the door closed close because it gets stuffy. Uh, we'll see what happens. They seem to have told you that. Um, calcium. Oh, man. We'll talk a lot about calcium. It's important not only for good bone health. I just thought I'd say that. Uh, it's important here because there are calcium-sensitive ion channels, and they can detect they can detect when there's a change in, in, in uh, the current... Teach me that phrase for next time. I don't know what it was, but teach it to me. <laughs> it seems to have worked. Ish. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just all go over We should all go over there. Power numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, potassium. Oh, that's a potassium phosphate. That's potassium. Um, phosphate. You know, well, it's going to be important because of uh, ATP, things like that. But potassium is important because. Can you be quiet? God damn it. Now I'm pissed off. I'm serious. I asked nicely. Hey, he asked nicely. He's a good guy. Then now I'm just pissed off. Just a little, just common courtesy. It's all I ask. Nothing to do with whether from or language you're speaking. I don't care. I'm just pissed. You don't do that. You don't just stand outside. Yeah. A little common courtesy. It's all I ask. Just be a human. It's all I ask. I wouldn't stand outside a classroom and do that. Okay, I've done it. <laughs> but I'm usually doing it to bug guys that are in there because they're my colleagues and I'm making fun. In our department, we often walk in on each other's classes and make fun of each other. Mostly just me and Paul. We don't do it to Cheryl or Lori. We're kind of afraid of them. Um, so potassium's important because sodium-potassium complex, you'll hear a lot about it. Um, sulfur. Sodium is going to be a big one. Sodium, potassium, calcium are going to be our big ones. They're going to be our big ones, okay? You're going to hear a lot about those. Okay. Oh, chlorine. What am I thinking? Yeah, we're going to hear a lot about chlorine, too. The other ones will come up. But sodium, potassium, so, uh, yeah, sodium, potassium, chlorine, and calcium. Will be the ones that are the important. You're screwed without the other ones, okay? It's not like you can go do it out them. But for our purposes, they're not going to be that interesting. Okay. Hey, look at diagram. This is the other perhaps diagram, right? This one or a brain on the test. What else could it be? I mean, even if, in all honesty, even if I, I can't think of what else I could do. Be a diagram of me kicking that chair and getting mad at those guys. I don't see that that could be a diagram. Okay. 
So we have this. This is cell body, right? Right, the nucleus. There's eh. a dendritic spine. See, right here. Nucleus, of course, has chromosomes, nuclear membranes, the membrane outside the nucleus, hence the name. Proteins are assembled in the endoplasmic reticulum. Most of you guys know this stuff from high school, right? Learned in high school biology. You may have forgotten it, but you learned it in high school biology. Mitochondria, the important thing about mitochondria is it's, there's a lot that you, you're not going to find just one mitochondria in a neuron. These things, we need, these are power plants. They're, they're converting uh, sugars into adenosine triphosphate, ATP, which is the stuff that cells run on. So you're going to need more than one because these things are, look, if it's, it, like I said, it's, when it's at its resting state, it's just trying not to fire. That sounds to me like a drawn bow, right? It's not just a light switch that's off. A drawn bow, right, when you're ready to fire an arrow, It's not firing. That takes a lot of energy, doesn't it? <clears throat> Have you ever, you ever do the archery? You ever do that? Isn't it fun? You feel very, uh, yeah, you feel like you're Robin Hood? Yeah. Me neither. But I had to go with somebody that used a bow. First thing came to mind was Robin Hood. That, that horrible Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie where his accent changes partway through. Has, a, has, a, has an English accent until about halfway through the movie. And then it goes away and he's back to being Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's the best guy to ever play Kevin Costner in any Kevin Costner movie. Because he just plays Kevin Costner in all movies he's in. So the, the, the most interesting, besides the fact that the, the cell shape is different than you used to from stuff you learned in high school, all the same parts are there. This is what I'm sort of trying to show you here. The big difference is you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of uh, mitochondria. It's not something, and you'll see them in the axons, you'll see them in the cell bodies, etc. They're all over the place. And it just makes complete sense. This is something that is using so much of your energy. Right? And you're used to, I mean, I'm sure you've all looked at cells underneath the microscope again in high school. Did you? They're not even do that anymore. Man, that's horrible. That's sad. Like, again, I sound old because I am. What do you do in high school? You just sit there? <laughs> and they just pass you through, right? Can't fail you. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> we used to actually do things. And you don't even have to take science after grade 10, so I literally haven't seen the diagram of a cell in like five years. Yeah. That's pathetic. <laughs> yeah, the only thing you have to take is English, right? Which I get, what with us speaking English. Yeah. And math for three years. Oh, three. Gee, it was yeah. only two when I went to eat that. No, exactly. Take grad math for grade 12. We had four years of math. Math, English, and then we had we do history and geography. Two years of French. Yeah, it's probably not that different than it is now. I don't know. Maybe I just, just advise properly. Maybe I had good guidance counselors. So yeah, this, like I said, though, no, perhaps you haven't seen this since the early two thousands. Wow, guys, you're so young. It just blows my mind. Anyway, nonetheless. The important thing is all the same parts are there. The big difference is we've got gold, we've got dendritic spines, we've got dendrites, we've got axons, and we've got a lot of uh, mitochondria. 
That's the only real difference. You see. <laughs> Typically, when you, you look at a cell, you see maybe one, maybe two mitochondria. You might see a lot more than two. Okay, questions about that stuff? Let us move on to talk somewhat about genes, cells, cells proteins, and you. It's, a, you know, it's, it's an after school special, really. This is one of my favorite quotes. I, there are certain things that I love. One of them is bonds and bats. <laughs> and the other one is this quote. Trying to determine how much behavior is due to genetics and how much is due to the environment. It's like trying to determine how much of the area of the field is caused by its length and how much is caused by its width. It's a quote from Donald Hebb, Canadian neuropsychologist, the person who, along with Brenda Milner, I talked about Milner, she did that work on HM. <coughs> Hebb and Milner invented cognitive neuroscience. Before them, there was no such thing. Wow. And they're Canadian. Montreal. You watch, if you watch a Montreal what's home football game, in one of the end zones, it looks like there's a building there at the end with nice windows and beautiful views of the stadium. That's the Montreal Neurological Institute. I was wanting to do a sabbatical there just because they had free tickets to the Alouettes. Well, I wouldn't, but I'd sit in an office going, I'll watch the football game. What that's saying is nature versus nurture is a stupid argument. Now, the biology students in here know this. They've heard of the interaction principle. The idea that you can't have genes without an environment, you can't have an environment without genes. It's self-evident. Right? How do you have a, a genes without an environment? Well, there's got to be something around it. Even if that's a chemical environment when something's developing. How do you have an environment without genes? Well, who cares if you have an environment without genes? Because that means you've got nothing living around. Right? So you need both. You need both. You cannot just have something, any characteristic cannot be purely nature, and it cannot be purely nurture. It can't be. Now, just because I say everything is an interaction to two, doesn't mean I can't say there's a lot of, there are certain traits, we might call, we call them, we'll call them facultative traits, where the environment really can change things. The color of your skin is a really good example. Because the more sun you're in, the darker your skin gets. Right? That doesn't matter if you're white, black, doesn't matter what your ethnic, doesn't matter. The darker your skin gets, the more sun you're in. That's a thing. We know that. Take a picture of yourself in the summer and picture yourself in the winter. You'll look different because your skin's darker. And it changes with the seasons. As does life. I don't know what that part meant. It just sounded really good and, and vaguely philosophical. And the only philosophical I get is vaguely philosophical. So I'll leave today with this quote, but I want you to think about this a little bit as you think about it. Many things you've been taught that, oh, that's just the environment, oh, that's just your genes. What I'm saying is, guys, nothing is. And on that note, I will see you next time. Thanks, guys.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.